0: So, as most of you know, anything that has to do with missions is more than a, pa- a passing interest uh, for us. We do stuff all over the world, and uh, but this was a very unique situation. And um, because of the devastation and the uh, problems, especially mentally and emotionally, with people who have been through such disasters, it was just so unique to have them go there and be uh, ministered to that specifically as well. And some of that's coming right out of our Thrive training, which we're doing here. Uh, And uh, it's been uh, inaugurated by our pastoral team to help people recover from really uh, difficult, tumultuous events and problems on the inside. So (laughs) we're no better to test it out than in a war zone, right? And uh, so it turns out that God heals on the inside just like he does on the outside. And if some of you would like to know more about that, we have plenty to say about that, as many of us have gone through trauma and difficult situations and don't seem to be able to stabilize our right side, get ourselves right side up. You know, mentally and emotionally. And so we're very excited about uh, that the, the ability God's given us to heal on the inside, but also that we can export it now to other places, including war zones and very, very difficult places. So so it's pretty exciting. And at the same time, uh, there's a lot of sacrifice. We see this family out there, and, you know, I have a huge missions background. I spent a lot of time overseas in and around all the countries of the world. And, um, so um, it's nice to see everybody and everything, but they go back home, and they have uh, quite a cross to bear, uh, but at the same time, a lot of joy poured out. So, uh, so these guys are heroes, uh, just uh, like we are in our everyday life, doing the same, right? But uh, just a little more exaggerated sometimes a, in a foreign environment. So, so we're going to have this time afterward. I just encourage you to stay, hang out a little bit, eat a little bit, get to know them, and uh, get more of the vision if you like, all right? It's a nice day today, by the way. It's perfect for us. So. All right. So I want to talk today about the power of visions, dreams, promises, and faith. And um, that's a mouthful right there, visions, dreams, promises, and faith. It turns out all those four things go together, right? And so I'm looking at the Danchecks, and uh, I remember when they received their vision, it's in- interesting to go and do what they're doing Um has been altered and changed sometimes. Sometimes you go into something and you're thinking one thing and then it kind of rearranges and changes and alters and God shapes vision for our life. Isn't it nice to know that the Lord has visions and dreams for us? When we're saved, sometimes even before God begins to use visions, dreams, and promises to reveal the good works that he has for us to do. As a matter of fact, if you look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 to 10, let's just read those verses Uh it's, those verses are very, very powerful uh, uh, for all of us today when we think about this subject uh, because it's something about the, uh, communicates something about the overwhelming grace of God for its grace by grace you've been saved through faith and this not from yourselves, the gift of God for not by works so that no one can boast for we are God's handiwork but here's the king key, key after the salvation part created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. So even before you're born, there are works God knew you would do that you're prepared in advance to do. Isn't that amazing? And I like this. We're God's handiwork. In other words, he's proud of us. He shapes us. He he's, He works these visions and dreams in us to go to even far, faraway places like Iraq or, or reach out to the homeless uh, here in our own backyard or whatever. And it's his handiwork. And we're he prepared these good works for us to walk in, right? And. I think even as a church, one of the things that we've been ordained to walk in is taken an unusual pass at really trying to help the homeless and feed the weak and uh, do all kinds of uh, benevolence uh, for our region and for our area right here in Orange County, which is one of the reasons why we do what we do. We do it because God prepared me long ago for this uh, time, especially here locally, by all the extra-local stuff that I visited and, and saw and all the poverty and brokenness, and I... I thought to myself, well, there's two neat things that need to happen. First of all, we need to go do something about it. And second of all, people on this side need to know how difficult, how horrible the situations are. They need to be acquainted with raw poverty and, and pain. You come back thanking God for what you do have, right? And unfortunately, there's been a lot of pain released, more pain than I can remember in our own culture right now. So... uh so it's, it's important that we learn to, to minister to that and um, dream about that and be encouraged by that. And there are promises for us. God uses the stories in the Scripture, commands, promises of Scriptures to encourage us and inform us about our own life, right? And about where we're going and what he wants us to do. Visions and dreams are also part of the language of the Holy Spirit. When we look at Acts chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. And of course, Acts chapter 2 for a church like us is, like, really, really important, right? But I think this part of that, those verses, Acts 2, uh, 17 and 18, are extremely important uh, also for us because this is where the anointing of the Spirit leads, right? Acts 2, 17, he was... Uh, let me get back here. Here we go. In the last days, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. We really like that part. But here's another part. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. But this dreaming dreams and seeing visions isn't just that you get a vision, you know, in church or in a group, but it has to do with, like this, a vision was given, a dream was given, something was speaking to them about this area of the world. But also God speaks to us specifically about our world. And but what we should do and what He has for us, and visions and dreams are part of the language of the Holy Spirit. By visions, uh, they can mean open-eyed, cr- crazy visions, which sometimes happens to people, but they can mean more in the mind's eye or in the heart. Dreams can be very vivid or faint, but they and often they're very symbolic. you know, one of our dreams for a long time has been that we would uh, be able to, in a very practical way, house people, feed them, all the things. It's, it's a dream of ours. It's something that God's given this house to do, and I'm hoping that we become infectious for the whole community because there's nothing quite like dealing with the weak in the ways that we have. And uh, and so um, Janice here is part of that uh, vision, of course, and my whole family for years. I want to single out Janice because I want you to be aware of her situation. She got in a horrible accident uh, while she was in Boston, and we need to keep praying for her because between her and a couple of other of our workers, Chuck over there, uh, back in the back, and all, of course, 100 workers in the warehouse, Uh, and then uh, a new uh, person that we hired on. Actually, I don't see her here this morning. Where are you? Oh, you're in the front row. I'm sorry. (laughs) Sorry. I mean, like you have brilliant red hair, and I can't see you. This is incredible. All right, anyway. But others that have been called as well, we just so appreciate. Uh, why don't you stand up? I don't think people know you very well. Just stand up. So so uh, the enemy just uh, uh, attacked us in this area. He hates this stuff we're doing. He hates the, the stuff that we're doing. And um, it's all a part Lord, of uh, a vision that, that God has given us and, and dreams, you know, things that we're supposed to fulfill and Sometimes those dreams get contended with, in the whole story of the Bible is dreams that God has, and then the enemy comes and contends against them to try to somehow or another uh, destroy or interfere, right? So there's a lot of warfare involved in what God speaks to us. Sometimes God speaks to us a very specific thing, and then we, we get on this merry-go-round and we thought, wow, I thought it was just going to be like we had this romantic vision of what it was going to all be like, you know? Hey, you know, God spoke to me about this stuff. And, I'm, and, I, and sometimes when I hear when people say that, I go... Wow, that's amazing. And I think in my mind, I wonder how much that one's going to cost, right? (laughs) And I wonder, like, what little uh, journey you're going to go on to fulfill that vision, right? Even simple visions. But if it's a vision you're supposed to do, like, you know, uh, that you're supposed to do, a trip you're supposed to take, you know, with the Lord, you go on this faith journey. and, And through that, you receive vision and insight and so on, which is the first point, right? And uh, and then there's other things involved as we go through this. I just think it's worth talking a little bit about because I think a number of us want to be effective with the Lord. We wonder what our life's about. But it's important that uh, what your life is about is that God has an opinion on this whole thing, right? And visions and dreams are part of the language of the Holy Spirit. That's A2 on your outline, right? So look at Acts chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. In the last days, God says, and I think we all have like a real... Uh, desire to be people of the last days, or aware of that we might be in the last days, or the last of the last days. But here's part of the characteristics. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people, which is an unparalleled pouring out of the spirit uh, now across the earth, Uh, even uh, like never before, uh, even more intense than we've ever seen before, this pouring out of the spirit, and on every tribe, tongue, and nation, and all kinds of circumstances and ways. It's just so amazing. And your sons and daughters will prophesy. So that's a natural uh, thing, a flow from that. In other words, you'll become aware of God's will, God's word, your sons and daughters, right? So little ones, eight, nine, ten, all the way through us as little ones, right? We're all sons and daughters. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Revelatory ministry is part of, this whole thing, that's why we, we spend a lot of time talking about prophecy and revelation, have a whole department. and We're always equipping to hear God's voice better. We're always equipping to hear God's voice because it's part of what happens in the last days. It's part of the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, right? Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. Now, as I say prophesy, the interesting thing is Visions and dreams aren't just a word that I get for someone else, but a prophecy may be something God's speaking to you, or a vision that you have to walk out your whole life, right? You might be birthing a company, you might be uh, birthing uh, some kind of new uh, idea of, of art or music, or some kind of uh, thing involving the poor or the weak, something in, in the education realm, which we're really working hard on. Uh, all of these areas have dreams and uh, visions of their supernatural revelation about it, but and so you just sort of have to know kind of which direction and what God wants you to do in that. Now, that's one thing, even, for example, with our school that we're working on right now uh, as we speak. And I mean, more than ever, as education has been tweaked and there's been so many things that we've just noticed that are just so absolutely devastating about our educational system. So we as a church have had to enter into that area again. God, what do you want? What's your idea of a good education? What's your good idea of a, educa- a good education? And that's a big deal right now. Especially as you move past high school, it's a huge issue. Big issue, even for Christian universities. So called Christian universities aren't doing really well with this. So visions and dreams are, 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 are part of this whole thing. And there's a time, I believe we're in a time right now of receiving a uh, vision in the midst of this devastating thing like never before. If ever there was a time for vision, it's now, because we're having to reinvent so many things. The way we do a living, we're having to reinvent how we educate our kids, like I mentioned before, and that's been quite a journey. It's taken us all the way through 12th grade, and it's about to take us beyond that, if you can believe that. That's how God is interested in it, right? I mean it. I am absolutely serious. And so in that process that we're undergoing, God's teaching. He's reworking us. What, how do we do this now? God, we can't do it this way. In this way is not exactly what do we how are we supposed to teach our kids and so this uh, prophetic ministry goes into all of these areas of life right and that's exactly what it means to be a people who prophesy they, they see visions and they dream uh, dreams right abraham was shown a vision for his life when he believed it god credited it to him as righteousness and uh, i just credit this young family who it took them a while to sort all the signals out of what they were supposed to do. But once they figured it out, they rooted themselves in that area of the world, in Iraq. And that's their vision. But but all of us have visions that God shows us, not just once and for all visions, but visions that unfold over time. Look at Genesis 15. After this word, the Lord, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, You've given me no children, so a servant of my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. So was shocking because they were rather advanced in years by that time. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Wow. I mean, he's old. He can't imagine how they're going to have a real baby. He even thinks he's going to help God a little bit, you know, with uh, getting one of his wives pregnant, you know, otherwise. But this is the one he wanted to be pregnant as well for a special purpose then it says in verse 6, Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. Interesting. So that believing the Lord, he He was shown vision for his life when he believed it. God credited it to him as righteousness. That's an interesting way to talk about righteousness. Usually we think about good works or things that we measure up or whatever. But, but here's an interesting thing about righteousness. Accepting what God says about you. What dream or vision he's given you. Accepting that and then riding it like a wild bronco until... It settles down because a lot of vision and dreams are like that. It's not for the lighthearted because God wants more of you, not less. We always sell ourselves short. He always has a bigger view, a broader view of what he wants, right? We think we know it, and then just when we think we've got it comfortable and right in hand, God makes it totally uncomfortable and out of hand. Most dreams and visions that are bona fide dreams and visions are a little bit beyond you and a little bit out of hand. And I'll tell you what, around here we've been experiencing plenty of them. I mean, it's just mind-boggling. So you've got to be, it's, it's not for the faint of heart, uh, this walk with God. If you really want to walk it out and get to the dreams and promises and faith that God wants you, it, there's a real step here and, uh, and a real step into the unknown. And we've been, we've been parachuting to the unknown daily. And it's uh, and just so amazing, moving forward, moving forward, moving forward. And then finally, thank God the city just validating all that was in our heart and, and approving every single part of it so that we could fulfill all of these visions, these things that we have and things that are realized now and then there's things that are even on the horizon that we haven't even talked about yet publicly that we would love to see as well, right? So when we, we believe these visions, God credits it to us as righteousness. He takes us on faith journeys and assignments to fulfill the visions and promises He has for our lives. Here's a problem, though. Slowness of heart can cause you miss or delay the plans that God has for you. Because these plans and visions and dreams, they're not always easy. Now, I think we got a case in, uh, in, in mind right here. I mean, just going to Iraq, I can't imagine what that's like and living like that. And they're not exactly living like safe. They never have. They live in this crazy, tumultuous environment, but... <laughs> I think about them, then I think, you know, and, and even when they went, you know, how tumultuous it was with all the warfare and everything that was going on. But I'm looking at our own life here. I think things have become a little tumultuous, don't you? <laughs> right in our backyard. You don't have to very, go very far without lots of craziness, right? And things aren't as peaceable as they used to be. But in this environment, could I, I, one of the reasons I wanted to preach about this is this is the time now more than ever for visions, dreams for things to happen. We always think of promises and dreams coming to us in a nice, calm, beautiful environment, you know, <laughs> you know, with a drink and an oasis you know, kind of thing, and then it unfolds, and then the angels clap their hands, uh, you know, and I know that sounds a little bit exaggerated, but when you actually start getting a hold of a dream, like, hey, I want to feed the homeless. Oh, that would be so great. Yeah, brother, I'm right with you. Then you start doing it, and you go, oh, my gosh. People are messed up. Yeah, why do you think they're not eating? <laughs> or homeless? But no, 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 no. I mean, they are really messed up. I said, yeah, the enemy hates their guts and wants to destroy them with drugs and everything else, you know. And, and that's the funny thing, because here we are in this suburban environment, right, and we're talking about the homeless, you know. And I think when you first start in that area, it's so romantic, it's so good, and so noble. Oh, but there's lots of things in that vision that maybe... You've never encountered, and we certainly hadn't encountered or believed, and, and as we get deeper into it, we, we realize these plans that God has for us are, are, are fairly dramatic and, and, and also costly, and, and also, if you want to be, a, and, and you know, God loves these kind of plans. Iraq seems such a far away, difficult place, but our world is getting more dangerous by the minute right where we're living, so it's like all over the world, right? And if you haven't figured that out yet, it, it, it's not going to get any easier. <clears throat> Maybe it will get easier when the church gets our bearings and we stop, start thinking in a way that God wants us to think and start taking territory and faith at the level, of not just the elections, as important as that is, but what about all the ground level stuff that's going on? What about... The the, the people have lost their jobs and their homes and the drug addiction and, and, and the violence and all the rest of it and the education of our kids and all the rest. This is a time, if ever God gave visions and dreams, it's right now, right? But I said, and look at point C, slowness of heart can cause you to miss or delay the plans God has for you. Look at Hebrews chapter 6, verses 10 to 12. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. Good start. You're doing a great job. But we want you, each of you to show this same diligence to the very end. To the very end. So as we step into new areas, new areas maybe of righteousness, areas of pursuing God that cost something or difficult, right? And we live in a very difficult world, you know. He's after this very end part. We want each of you to show the same diligence to the very end so that what you hope for may be fully realized. That word right there is very powerful. Let me we want each of you to show the same diligence to the very end so that what you hope for, what you envision, may be fully realized. So diligence is going to be a part of this. Slowness of heart, sluggishness, getting started with something and then dropping out in the middle of it. It's very easy to do, especially in a day like this. We have such romantic notions of what we want the world to be like. Could I just say something to you about the political part, right? What we would like to see. This is going to cost you severely. If we want to see the right political vision, throw stones and throw things around and throw the the, the, the names around and this and that and and put on your sleeve the great belief that you have about whatever. But in the end, it comes down to ground level. Encountering people with Jesus and also fighting for you what you know is right at the ground level of our life, where we live, where I work, where I go to school, how I go to school, what I envision schools like or what I envision works like, what what is that I can do and I cannot do. How many of you know that this time is not for the faint of heart and for a godly Heart, for a godly vision to exist and come out of today's milieu is not easy, right? We do not want you to become lazy. I think we had a time where we could be a lazy. A lot of things were done for us. A lot of good things are happening. But nothing can be taken for granted anymore about our lifestyle. Not one thing. That's the difference between maybe just a couple of years ago and now. Not one thing. An interesting word, lazy. You can't step back. You can't just pretend, right? In every area of our life. If there ever was a time for evangelism and salvation and signs and wonders, it's now. The world needs a demonstration of Jesus Christ. If there ever was an opportunity to have wisdom in the way we deal with the poor and the weak and the addicted, it's now. It's now. This is our time, right? Right? And we've had it, it's so good for so long, it's easy for this word. Because I think lazy is maybe too hard a word in some ways, but in other ways, we're on line now in a way that I think we've never been. But to imitate those who thra- faith and patience inherit what has been promised. So when you have a vision that you want to change the world with, it's going to take faith and diligence and patience to see the same thing through. And that's what I'm beginning to learn about every area that we've been moving into. It just takes faith and diligence. You just got to keep plowing the ground, keep getting revelation. You don't live by bread alone, but new revelation, because we're going territory, in educationally we're going to territory with the weak and the poor. We're going to the territory of healing and manifestations and jobs and ways to make a living that we've never been down before. And it's going to take amazing perseverance and it's going to make take uh, alert, alert hearts Slowness of heart can make you miss or delay the plans God has for you. God wants your heart. There's there's a time when we have to pay attention. I I think this is not a time that we can sort of step back into as as much as we'd like it, the way the things were, the good old days are over in so many, many ways. And I don't like it. I don't understand exactly what's happening. You know, I suspect there's a return of Jesus somewhere in there. (laughs) But in the meantime, I don't know when he's coming back. And In the meantime, he told me to be prepared. He told me to be diligent. He told me to work. And not just to ignore and hope the whole thing goes away someday. We're very much a part of these end time days. Hope deferred, the Bible says, and that's Proverbs 13, 12, makes a soul sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Some of us have had our hopes deferred, and it makes your soul sick, but longing fulfilled. We may have to fight for it, this longing. We may have to hear God's voice in it. We may have to move through visions, dreams, promises, and faith. We may have to apprehend it in the invisible world before we can grab it in the visible world. And many of us are in that space. When God gives vision, it releases, this is D on your outline, releases joy and holiness into a person's life. Vision can release joy and holiness. In other words, a a sense of where I'm going is a very, very powerful thing right now. And you can see that. in why don't we read Hebrews 12, 1 to 2. Could you put that up? And uh, I want to just read that. Therefore we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Let us throw off everything that it hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the run marked out for us. Next verse. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorned at shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. i tell you, that last part is so very real to me. So, Things that we've been plowing through with much difficulty and much adversity over the last several years to become an alternative culture in so many ways. And the entire body of Christ is doing this. But listen, there's a joy in this. This is actually, uh, we're going to go a place that we always wanted to go. We just didn't know it was going to cost or there'd be trouble or resistance and everything. But the enemy knows in advance and he doesn't want us to go there. But there's a joy in the air. There's something set before us now possibilities in every area of life for us to grab a hold of. For you in business, opportunities for you to grab into new areas to step and be flexible. Can I just prophesy over you? You need to make money now. A lot of money. No. Did you hear what I said? You need to prosper now. The world awaits you. This massive Groups of humanity that need help. There's massive movements of God that are just to be started. They need to be funded. There's all kinds of stuff that needs to happen. Just that alone is, is pretty exciting, right? You need to move. Go into boldly go where no man has gone before. <laughs> what a nice poem from Star Trek. All you Trekkie fans. But lived out, oh my gosh, it's, it's, you know, we get to watch it on TV, but like real life, like all those adventures they have with all those aliens. I think there's a few aliens out there I've never seen before in my life, honestly. The way they dress, the way they talk, for me, like I look on the television, that's an alien, that's got to be an alien, that cannot be a human being, actually saying those things and doing those things and having those kind of concepts. How about like the difference between a male and a female, that's a cool one, Wow. To boldly go where no man, or no what, woman, or, or redefine that, has ever gone before. Even we can't even say that anymore. It's got to be man, woman, or woman, or all of us together. I don't know. To boldly go where all of us have never gone before. I mean. <laughs> but vision releases this joy and a holiness in people's life. And I just think there's some excitement in this as well, right? Therefore, so, since we are surrounded, uh, Hebrews 12:1, by such a great cloud of witness, let's throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let's run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Forever was a time for perseverance is now. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scoring shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. That's what it took for him to go into this vision that the Father had for him. Look at E on your outline, 1. A dream or vision can be an invitation to partner with God. It is an invitation to partner with God. So if you have a dream or a vision from God, you guys are working together, and it's just one of the most exciting things of the whole thing, really. Abraham is a good example of how we should respond to God's invitations and promises for blessing. Look at Genesis chapter 15, verses 1 to 6. I love the story of Abraham so much. I mean, wow, I've, I've thought about it from every side. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant of my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abram, now listen, to this, this is a key thing. Believe the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. All right, now, right there, there's a lot of things that Abram did with his belief. He had to prove it, right, in this whole story. But there was something right there at that moment. Could I just highlight this for a moment? Somehow or another, God gave him a vision. God gave him a promise and something popped on the inside of him. Something snapped. The Bible calls it faith. It's something that God sees in the heart of everyone. He sees it, this belief, this trust, that something was born, something that's living and active, in it, and it's so powerful, it's like a nuclear explosion that happened but hasn't quite reached you yet. It's it, it touches you on the inside, and then it works its way out into your life. But he had the essence, the divine spark. He got it. He saw it. He believed it. And from the inside, he began to walk that thing out. So many things are like that. Businesses and, and all kinds of things that we do. A spark that begins to walk its way. We begin to walk it out, right? And that's what happened with Abraham. He, he had that on the inside. He, when, when he said, look up at the sky and count the stars, so shall your offspring. Abraham didn't say, oh, come on, man. He somehow or another, he got it. He got a hold of it, and God speaks lots of things like that. And when you, when, you, when you get it on the inside, when it clicks, the seed's born, and then it begins to grow up into a real life thing. And I've been through this a number of times, and there's going to be a number of other things that we're going to be going through because our world is changing, and so is the church changing so we need to have new dreams and new visions new opportunities we need to do things in different ways we need to see things differently and see what the potential is for god for us and he's going to challenge us to do things that we've never done before and he's going to have us step out and it's going to scare the heck out of us it's going to terrify us i mean half the stuff we've been doing lately have absolutely been more than a little scary for me it's not business as usual taking all these risks and stepping out there and doing all these things I've never done before. I mean, things I've done before, I'm gonna, gonna go now I'm going to go do again like a school. And now through high school, and now on up, who knows where this all goes. God wants everything, everything under his dominion. He's going to use us to do it. Every country, every nation, every refugee camp, every part of society, whether it's in the marketplace or in businesses, we're all on. And this is a great challenge for today, but also the great dream, right? Just that dreams, promises, and stuff are costly. At the same time, they are beautiful. So don't let the cost of it ever dampen the beauty of it. Sometimes that happens. to me, and I have to go, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, 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 no. No, this is actually a really beautiful thing. (laughs) Every time we clean up a mess or have a problem or get faced with something, you know. No, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yes, this is momentary. I call it MLA, light affliction. But look at the beauty of this thing. Look at the beauty of that. Look at that beauty of that. And I hope God speaks to all of us in your own way. Look at the beauty of this new business I'm starting. Look at the beauty of this new family that's happening. where God. Look at the beauty of this healing God's giving me or using me through. Look at the beauty, you know, all of that. Oh, man. Abraham saw it. He saw it. Right in that word, he saw it. That means he saw it. He didn't just see it in his mind. He got it. He said, I believe, I believe. He got it on the inside and the outside. He believed the Lord and he credited to him as righteous. So all of this stuff starts on the inside of us where God's the specialist at, right? He's a specialist on the inside of us working all this stuff out from the outside. It's just important to know that never underestimate what you believe or what you're thinking on the inside because from that space come the miracles and the dreams and the businesses and the houses and whatever else. that comes from in here. And it's all God-given. It's the touch of God on the inside of a person that changes everything. And that's where we have the advantage as the people. Of God, we got a supernatural daddy in heaven who loves to touch and give new ideas, a creative Holy Spirit that's always blowing over us, always causing new ideas and thoughts. So now's the time where we take those thoughts and we start surfing them. It might have always been a vision to surf, but now we got to go surf. <laughs> get your board, get out there. Whoa, man, when I first tried this, there was like five foot waves, no problem, but now there's 40 footers. Yeah, that's what it's like now. Go. <laughs> oh, wow. Number Roman number two, cultivating the field of dreams, visions, and answered prayers. God's visions grow in the soil of being other-centered. Did you know that? They really grow well. There's lots of manure in the soil when your vision, however it is, can connect to be a blessing to other people, right? Directly or indirectly. You business people that have been saying, "Man, if God would just give me this much of money, and I'd do that. I would do this." Well. He may make it really hard for a while. It may be difficult, but that joy. And then finally, when you get to that money, that amount of prosperity, then what are you going to do with that? Your whole vision along the way is, well, if God, you do this for me, I'm going to do that for you. But you know one thing about it is we think so linearly. Like, I'm going to do that for you, and it's going to be all good and go back. No, no, no. It's like a circular thing. You sow, and he gives you more. You sow, and he gives you more. You sow, and he gives you more. Right? It's an amazing thing because... Visions grow in the soil of being other-centered. So when you continue to be other-centered in the vision for your business or your job or where you're at, wherever you're working, whatever you're doing, other-centered. Why am I in this job? And you look around, you see the other pagans or people that don't know the Lord Jesus, and you're just a witness. Why am I in this job? Oh, man, there's an opportunity. I'm learning something that I'm going to apply later, and I think I could do this and this and this. But always, where does this take me? See, that's where vision comes from, other-centered. When you think of your life like that, then God freely gives, freely blesses. It's just that when we get introspective and we get tight, and that's when we die. We are born to grow and to be an extension and expansion of God's vision on the earth in every area. I'll tell you, and this is a great opportunity that we have today, every area, because every area of our lives being challenged, every area, where we live, everything, education, education, business, everything's being challenged. So being other-centered and all of that is the key where we'll get the vision, and we'll get a vision. And God's not a sport. When you care for others, when you give, it'll be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. When you make your life like that and say, okay, I'm going to do this, this, but I wanted to do this, this, and this, when you get that attitude in mind, that's where we're at right now. That's where you cultivate the field of dreams, visions, and answer prayers. And God's going to take you guys some crazy places with those visions and dreams especially when they're other-centered. A lifestyle of problem-solving for others causes visions and promises to grow in our own lives, right? Wow. Jesus is our greatest example, and we have all these lessons of visions, dreams from from other people in the Scriptures. We've been talking about Joseph a little bit lately. He's one of the greatest examples of all, right? I mean, look at the progress of his life, right? And he, he gets the worst hand dealt to him Possible, but the way he progresses, the way he grows, and the way the kingdom comes in the midst of this. And it's such a great picture. I love talking about Joseph so much because I think we are a Joseph people. And so, in some ways, there's this, this selling into bondage. There's this, this bondage that's being trying to be put on the people of God, you're right? And, 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 but then, in that space, Joseph has these dreams and visions. He, he sees himself and he, he takes God where he, where he has to go, and even in the darkest place, right? First place was Potiphar's house after his own brothers selling down the tube, right? Now, Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, brought him from the Ishmaelites, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord is with Joseph. Joseph means he shall add, something like that. We're all Joseph. We are a Joseph company. Good one, Mike. We, we are a Joseph company. In the sense... This, the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. Even if you have to live in the house of an Egyptian master or in some kind of setting or working in some kind of setting that's not that great, you know, still, God's bigger than that. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and entrusted to his care everything he owned. I've, I've been young and I'm just a little bit older now. And I've noticed uh, this so much with people in the workplace. And for us in this place, I've just learned anew, you cannot replace a great employee. A great employee is like gold in so many ways. It takes pressure off, paying off, it makes you money. Oh, my gosh. For you to be faithful, managing other people's stuff well is such a gift to them. And it causes great wealth to come back on your own head, both from the Lord and uh, also just practically in your life, financially, from the time he put him in charge of his household, and you now he's a slave now, right? And of all that he owed, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had. I've watched it both in the house and in the field. I've noticed this happen with good employees, people that are in various areas. We pray about this all the time in the business uh, prayer meeting. You, 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 you get the people get to have you if. That's what the attitude should be. We should think, hey, you're lucky to have me, and they should say, wow, am I glad you came my way. Wow, talk about what that does. That moves mountains around. That moves wealth around. That causes all kinds of crazy things to happen. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care with Joseph in charge. He did not concern himself with anything except the food that he ate. Now, we talked about this a little bit in the last uh, few sermons and and stuff, but it's such a wonderful example of where God wants to take us, right? Right? And then he gets thrown in prison because he gets tangled up in some intrigue. And you know the story, and he gets thrown in prison. But guess what? Even there, Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, verse 20 of 39. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He he showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison. <laughs> I think, well, that's, that's a stinking thing. I mean... God, sometimes you press the up button for success and it only goes down. You notice that? But in the end, it goes up. It all depends on what? What's going on between your ears and in your heart. That's what it depends on. Can I say that again? That was really good. It all <laughs> depends on what's going on between your ears and in your heart, right? That's the key thing. Because he's in prison. This should be the end. Death. Sayonara. See you, Joseph. What about all your fancy dreams now? And you're going to hear the enemy talking to him, yakking in his ear. And if his brothers were there, they'd probably say, See, Joseph, we told you, man, you've just been off the wall for a long time. <laughs> so the warden put Joseph in charge of all those who were held in prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention or anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success and whatever he did see along the way to the dreams and things we're just faithful in the land and God gives us more and this is such a powerful principle it's so real so powerful to me you just can't keep a good person down and if you do good in one place you'll get more promotion because the Lord's the one that brings promotion not you you do good you be faithful in the land and God will give you more and more and more and so even if you get thrown in the dungeon it doesn't look like a great promotion to me but gosh now I'm the head of the prisoners How exciting. It doesn't play very well to his brothers or his family. You're what? Well, I'm in the dungeon, but you know, I'm in charge of the place. So who cares? I'll tell you who cares. God cares. Because you get promoted in a place like that, you're going to get promoted somewhere else. And find out, you know the story, what happens then? He ends up before Pharaoh because he has this penchant for governing well, but also interpreting dreams. See, that's what makes us different. You never know. We have these mundane gifts, things that don't look too exciting. Then we have these other things like interpreting dreams, words of knowledge, words of wisdom. That's why we talk a lot about prophecy around here. We do it. We train, listen, because these things, revelation, how do people get wealth anyway? They get a revelation. They get an insight. Hey, why don't I try this or if I do that? And it's thousands of little decisions revelatory decisions along the way that make and bring wealth, right? You can step into a mess, or you can step into grace. You can go into a new area, or not, right? So this Genesis 41 is powerful because Joe, he goes, he goes, he ends up in prison. But because he does well in prison, so you know the story. We told that last week. He there's a, a dream, and 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 uh, and the the king of Egypt's upset about it, and. And the guy that was next to the king remembered this guy in prison and brings him forward and then he comes forward and he interprets the king's dream and before he knows it, this guy's in charge of all of Egypt, the entire world eventually because he's put in uh, charge of making them survive this thing. But not only him, but it reaches all the way back, not not only Egypt, but it reaches all the way back to his own household in Israel and the thing comes full circle. Wow, I wonder how many things are going to come full circle. You were thrown into a position, you were thrown out of a job or into a position or into a location or a place and you don't know what you're going to do now because the stream dried up. But wonder if God took that thing, took that vision, took that opportunity, took that and spoke to you about it and redid it. God does this all the time. What we think is bad news is often good news because you can't keep a person like us down because all things work together for our good, for them that love the Lord are called according to our purpose. So the important part is when you go to the dungeon, don't get depressed and shrivel up like a raisin and feel sorry for yourself. You're royalty. And you may not even know it. Joseph had nobody to tell him he's royalty. Matter of fact, for a long time, he was just royalty in his own mind. He was a legend in his own mind. His brothers hated him so much, he sold him to Egypt and said, I'm sick of this guy. This guy is such a bragger, I hate this guy. Well, it turns out he ends up in Egypt. Right? And he starts doing his thing. Before you know it, wow. His brothers had a different tune later, didn't they? Wow, you can't keep a person that's spiritual, that's walking with God. that has. You, see, the thing is, Joseph in that prison may have just shriveled up. It's, oh, I can't believe it. Just when things are looking bright, my brothers tell me, and then when things are looking good, then I get accused, of, and then I'm here in this dungeon. He could have let that shrivel up. Oh, but in his weak space, God becomes strong. God could do whatever he wanted with Joseph in that moment. And he did. And the promotion came. See, it's not so much about our circumstances, how we carry ourselves. And this time and day, it's not so much about our circumstances, how you carry yourself. Who are you? God Almighty is in your name. You're called a Christian. Right? Wow. You're a Christian. You're not just anybody. You can hear from God. You can get wisdom about things. You can pray for the sick. You can do things that nobody else can do. And sometimes the world needs us in ways they can't imagine. This is the future, by the way, for the church. This is our future. While everything else is falling apart. And our schools are so poor that kids can't add five plus five. And we keep educating them. We keep working with them. We keep making them work hard. They're going to seek us out for wisdom and knowledge and seek our kids out to work because we're the only ones that work hard. We're the only ones that's not out of their brain, right, with things that don't pertain to anything, especially the job. We'll be the most faithful, great workers they've ever seen. And like Joseph, will just come up through the ranks. That's what God's offering us. It's not for the faint of heart because remember the prison thing. <laughs> Some of us are in difficult situations we've never been in before, in hard, hard situations, hard labor, things that we, you know, we look back and we think, oh, why why did God do this and that? Stop asking, why did God do this? And say, why did God do this? (laughs) There's two different ways you can ask that. Why did God do this? Hmm, I wonder what blessing God has for me in this place. What is he teaching me? Because I'm on my way up. I'm always on my way up, right? And vision is carried along, as you see on your outline, by answered prayer. Answered prayers are directly tied to a life of integrity toward other people and God. James four two three. 3. Never forget that bazooka, that weapon, <laughs> that powerful bomber called prayer. My goodness. So prayer is a nice aesthetic thing. It's a beautiful thing to connect with God. But it's also the most powerful force in the universe. James 4, 2-3. You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Now, before anybody takes that guilt pill there, listen, I think we're way back up on this thing. I just think that we don't understand how powerful we are. We don't understand what's at stake. We understand... Who we are. We ask with wrong motives because we don't think God's that good after all. And maybe we should do it ourselves. And maybe we can find a better way to prosper. God has a great plan for your life on how to prosper. You need to do well. You just have to find it. He can make you so happy and bring you to a great place in your life. Maybe you're not in a happy place now, but that's just a preparation, just like Joseph for something more. If you can see the something more, you'll go there. If you just worry about the dungeon you're in or this or that and and your your prayer life then begins to sink into the sunset. But your prayer life was meant to get you out of spaces like that and into the new space. Your prayer life was meant to give you hope that something will change. You know, it's interesting... uh, Visions carried along so much by answered prayer. Without a prayer life, I don't see how we're going to do business in this thing. You must learn to pray. You must learn to seek and ask God and, 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 and interact with Him in a special way. It's our it's our connection. It's our communication point. I don't know what we would do without our cell phones and our communication all day long. You know, oh my gosh, if I lose my cell phone, it's like I'm dead for three days or something goes wrong with it, right? You've got another cell phone. He's called Jesus and the kingdom of God in your pocket all the time, Right? Why don't you use that phone? <laughs> oh my gosh, if I lose prayer for a day, I don't know what I'm going to do. How many have ever said that? If I, if I can't pray for an hour, I don't know what I'm going to do. Sometimes God puts you in an enforced place where makes you pray like that so that when you get out, you'll keep doing that. He's trying to bless you, but you won't learn, so he puts you in this devastating place where you have to pray all the time. Then you get out. So say, okay. Hey, let's look at the rest of your life. That wasn't just to survive. This is to thrive. Touch you to pray so you'll thrive, so you'll do well. You like the survival part, but how about the thrival part, right? Now I lost my outline. Where am I? That was so good. Oh, here we go. C1 How Solomon got heaven's attention. Look at this. 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 5 to 15. I love this so much. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream, and God said, Ask for whatever you want me to give you. Whoa! And and he was absolutely serious. He was absolutely serious. Whatever you want. And also it was a a test. I think this thing's an offering to us, but the question is, what are you going to ask for? What's the smart thing to ask for? In the long run, right? Look what he says. Psalm answered, You have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright heart you have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day now lord my god you have made your servant king in place of my father david but i'm only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties your servant is here among the people you've chosen a great people too numerous to count or number so give your heart your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong for who is able to govern this great people of yours The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, Since you have not asked for this, and not for long life or wealth for yourselves, nor have asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment and administering justice. Wait a minute. Wow. How meaningful that is today. And I know we wouldn't admit it out loud. The death of your enemies. Some of us are at that place. We get so angry. Just die. Maybe I'm just the only one I'm relieving. Just releasing some really dirty laundry here. I don't know. God oh, we do it say nice. Would you just move that person out of the way? What's he gonna do then? Well, he won't have an income, he'll be completely humiliated and demoralized. I'm okay with that. Right. <laughs> uh so can you tell? So this is, uh, I don't mean to step on too many toes, but I mean to step on some toes here because uh, since you've asked for this, and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have asked for the death of your enemies. <laughs> that one just caught me, I didn't know. But for discernment and administering justice, what do I do in my own world? How do I administer justice in my own world? All right. And if you'll walk in obedience, let's see. where am I? I lost that. No, wait, i got to go back. I got too far ahead of myself. Justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so there will never have been anyone like you nor will there ever be. Wow. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor. Wow. So that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. You know, if we would ask for things that are important to God, it just might be that he would turn around and be so generous that in these practical areas of our life, he might just turn around and give us things that we just couldn't imagine. Things at the marketplace would even envy, right? And if you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands as David your father did, I will give you a long life. Then Solomon awoke and he realized it had been a dream. What a beautiful thing that is, right? That's how he got heaven's attention. I want what you want. I want what you want, right? God's chosen fast, Isaiah 58 I read these passages probably once, I mean publicly probably once every couple of months. I just can't get away from it because it seems like to me a natural formula for where we're at right now. Look, listen to this. Is this not the kind of fast I've chosen Isaiah Isaiah 58.5, only a day to hum, for people to humble themselves? Is, is it not for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the kind of fasting I've chosen? To He says, now this is the kind of fasting I'm after. Not only for being sad and angry and upset and in pain, but here it is. Is this not the kind of fasting I've chosen to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke to set the oppressed free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer and about all kinds of things. Not just spiritual things, but every kind of thing. We just make that our business, right? We don't have to have a mercy where else. We get to have a mercy where else. It's one of the greatest privileges on the planet. It's anything Or have your own mercy house, Whatever it is, you get to do this. Because this is what happens. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You'll cry for help and he'll say, you know, here I am about that thing, this thing, that practical thing, that person that's not buying, that person that's stealing from me, that person, whatever if you do away with the yoke of oppression with the pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spin yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noon eight. And I think it's getting brighter around her every day because I feel the light arising on us all the time. I think it's been, never been brighter in our church than right now. I mean it. It's bright. It's a pleasure. It's just, the Lord will guide you always. He'll satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land. How about that? And will strengthen your frame. You'll be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins, and you'll raise up the age-old foundations. You'll be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings, because we've got the blueprint for what makes life go around. And if we'll take our, into our consideration the weak, God will help us with the other stuff as well. It's just important, as a priority with us, right? It's his chosen fast, but it reaches right into our communities, way beyond our communities into the world, right? What was Cornelius doing before the Spirit fell, before, uh, before he had this incredible encounter as a Gentile with the gospel? Guess what he's doing? He's praying and helping people, feeding the poor. That's what he's doing. That was his lifestyle when God found him, right? We know all about that story. That's how the Gentile church got born. God, find a Gentile, and he's praying all the time and helping the poor. God says, you know, I like that. I think I'll start with him. Where will he start in here? I think I'll start with him. I think I'll start with them. Why? Because he does the stuff I like. He does the stuff I like. He's got this heart. I just let him do that over there, right? Oh, my goodness. What a powerful thing this all is. Cornelius, the Gentile that God uses... To open up the whole world to the Gentiles, is just doing these simple things of prayer and sacrifice. Here's a sacrifice at the end of Job. You know what required his? You know what was required for his friends to come back online with God because they didn't say the right things. And God's watching over them. He says, you know, <clears throat> Job had to come and pray for them, even though they had mistreated him and told the wrong things. He did the sacrificial thing, and as he did that, he released them and himself into unbelievable prosperity, and it's after that time that he received double for what what he had received before. You see, the seed sowing, answered prayer, we live to give and give to live, and that you see at the very bottom here, patience and vision. Visions, dreams, and promises are invitations, but faith is required to bring them to fruition. Patience is another word for faith. Did you know that? matter of fact, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 35 to 39. I love these verses so much. Because I think this is a day for patience, but it's patiently doing the right things. So don't throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, what's the will of God? All these things I'm talking about. Praying, taking care of the weak, the poor, being a light, a witness, being a champion of justice and truth. So don't throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, whatever that is, you will receive what he's promised. For in just a little while he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith and I I will take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not speak back, we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. Wow. What a word. What a word to us today. See, under three there. God tests us with visions and promises. In the end we receive our hopes and dreams and are changed by the process. Abraham sacrificing Isaac literally, how about that, <laughs> for an alteration. And God says, you know what, you didn't withhold your only son, Guess is what I'm going to do for you. He became Abraham, the father of many, the father of nations. And so on and so forth. We see this all, all through the scriptures, Right? What was going through Abraham's mind at this time where he thought he was doing the worst sacrifice, the worst thing he could possibly do? God gave him a son and it was the dream and he was willing to kill that dream just because God told him to do, but God just took that. And by faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He would embrace the promises we were about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead and so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death, so he's thinking, if I kill this kid, this promise is so real, it's just going to come back to life again. You just cannot lose by sacrificing, doing God's things, way, God's ways, moving that way. Some of us think, well, what good is it? for me to keep doing things God's way. The only thing you lost in the process was your vision and your faith because when you sow good seed, it will bear a good harvest. You just got to believe on the inside. Two things are required, that you sow the important seed, sacrificial seed that God wants you to, and the second thing is that you believe that God is a God of the living, that God doesn't lie, that God has things better for you, not worse, that God is always on the up for you, always in the blessing place for you. In short, He's on your side there at the bottom of the page, there comes a time when a promise is made certain. And we see that in Genesis chapter 22 with Abraham, right? The promise made certain. I just want to say that because these promises and things we're talking about, they're sacrificial, but sometimes in the sacrificial place, in the obedience phase, in this sowing phase, sometimes it's hard to see the end but they always come to pass. I think the more you go through, the more you live in a kingdom way, and you see God's blessing, the more encouraged you get, and you should get bigger and stronger, even when the challenges become worse. Bigger and stronger doesn't necessarily mean you have less troubles. It might mean more troubles, but you always get through on the other side, and through that side, you get more promotion, not less. If you could look at our problems, sometimes the way to get promoted, we'd be in a different place. Oh, Lord, thank you for this trial and trouble because I'm going to get promoted into this. I'm going to get a hold of this. And you know what? One of the reasons why you'll get promoted is because the whole rest of the world has no answers. They're clouding the thing more and more. They have no tangible answers because they're working for the devil. And he clouds their minds and confuses them. When they think they know what they're doing, they don't. But we have clear minds, clear thoughts. The world should be looking for people like us. But we've got to be people of faith, willing to stand up and serve willing to be humble when we need to, let God promote us, if we'll be that kind of Joseph company, I am telling you, the future is incredibly bright for us. And the things that we put in our church in motion now, I'm so excited about, because I know where these things lead. And all these new things that we've had to put in place, I know where they lead. God likes our kids to be holy and righteous and know the truth and not be tainted by crazy doctrine and weird things. God likes us to do that. So if we have to suffer and pay for it and and redo our entire facilities for them, so be it. If we have to take part of our facilities and, and make it a gigantic place where we sell things, but at the same time we feed and help and restore our poverty and give people jobs and opportunity, then so be it. And there's so many things. There's always this side to our dreams and our visions. There's the dark side where we're sacrificing and, 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 laying, and, and doing things that maybe are uncomfortable. Well, on the other side of it is always grace and mercy and vision and beauty. So we can't mistake the Pain we go through and we sacrifice for people. It's just momentary MLA, momentary light affliction, because the grace on the other side. But other people live and they're living according to their own life and their own way, trying to solve problems, and they're just causing more and more pain and sorrow for themselves. And we know it. So here's another thing we just got to be activated in the kingdom, not throwing stones at everybody and look how ugly and bad that is and how horrible you are. I'm tired of saying how horrible things are. I just want to see what God has for our world, right? I want to look at what God has. I want to keep looking on the positive side of the ledger. It's easy to throw stones. It's easy to say, oh, could you hear what that happened? You know, I just want to know, okay, who's the one that's standing up to this? Who's in place? Who's in the place of blessing? There's always a Joseph. You can, if you don't have one, in every area of life, you can pray one, even in your own company. If you don't have the Joseph you need or the person that's going to be that kind of person, just pray him in. You think God's up there wagging and saying, Nah, way, I'm going to give you one of those kind of people. No, he's looking, he's trying to promote. And this time, this is the promotion of Joseph like never before in every area of life. If you're a solid employee, full of the Holy Spirit, know God, you're the most viable commodity on the planet. And all this time when people are, are, are doing horrible things and falling apart and getting sick, we're healthy, we're whole, we know where life is. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. You want an abundant person working for you. You want a blessed person working for you. And it's easy now to tell the difference between the two, isn't it? Oh, my. I could just keep on going, but I better stop. <laughs> Amen. Why don't we all stand up? Uh, So I'd like the worship team to come up. And um, So when we have people come up, and you could come up, some of your ministry team come up. I'd like you to come up to pray for people today. And um, just come up here if you're on the ministry team. And um, So if you're new or not aware of that, we have people that come and they have little badges on and they'll pray for you. Or two or three gather together in prayer. There I am in their midst. And there's this prayer of agreement that is so powerful in a person's life. And um, and I just think that we have an opportunity because of who we are, our prayers make a difference. And so I think that, um, could I just speak to a number of you who, uh, and this isn't the only kind of person you're, where you're weak or where you're having a problem maybe in something I don't say right now. But let's just say that a lot of us are in uh, difficult circumstances. We're in uh, situations that are hard for us. We're having to get wisdom for decisions that we need to make. We're trying to figure out where we're supposed to live. We're having difficulty uh, navigating uh, just basic things. And it's been that way for some time. But let's just ask the Lord as we pray for one another. And I'm just going to pray a general prayer, but I'm going to ask the Lord to do Begin the seed change on the inside of faith and encouragement to lift our heads up now. And then as you pray here, it's so important. If prayer is just an exercise and we just do it so we can be super spiritual, boy, what a bummer. But if prayer changes things, if I could just come with a humble saint and just have two or three gather together in prayer over something it could change like that because of the king of kings. Yes, it's humble. And spend a little time here, maybe something you're not used to or comfortable, but even if you're standing by yourself in the corner and just giving your problems and, to the Lord and just remembering who you are as part of this great Joseph company that we are, I should encourage you, especially if you've been really discouraged and overwhelmed, do it. You could do it from your seat, but do it in light of this message all things are working together for good. Love the Lord and call according to His purpose. What we need to do is just do what the Bible says about His purpose and respond to Him. And one of the best things you can do is just simply, God, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. I'm asking here for wisdom. I'm asking for change. So if you would like to receive prayer today, just come up to the front. We'll pray for you. We're going to ask God to help you. Going to worship and you could pray right from your seat or whatever, but I, Lord, I want to ask you that today would be a day of change as we perceive our situations. Lord, I pray you'd raise up Josephs and Josephines <laughs> all over this church in various parts of life, places where you put us to have victory, heaven. And I pray, God, just with a simple prayer uttered here today, you would hear from heaven and heal bodies change circumstances, this hour and this day because of who you are, Jesus.